Let's start with prayer. Stand up. O Heavenly King, the comfort of the Spirit of Truth, right ever present to close to all things, treasure blessings and giver of life. Come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls, a good one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, the first thing I'd like to do is actually go around the class uh, and just get everyone's name. Uh, I am taking roll. This is not a, I mean, there's structure and there's form and it's a class, but that is not, catechesis is not me doing a master's, like you, like going to seminary and getting a degree, right? This is uh, an introduction to the faith. This is like 30,000 feet, uh, getting your feet wet. I mean, we have lost some of our um, bookshelves here, or otherwise it wouldn't be such a mess. I'm hoping within the next month or two to get like all matching bookshelves and put everything in a nice order so it doesn't look so disheveled in here. Uh, but you can just, there's a lot of stuff to read and absorb, but that's not what the catechumenate is for. You have the rest of your life, and if you desire it, not everyone has to become or really super interested in reading fourth century fathers. That's not the point of catechesis. Catechesis is introducing you to the faith and introducing you especially to the practices of the church. What do we do? Why do we do it? Uh, if you have been around for a few months, you've probably seen variety, right? The things are different. Uh, here in a few weeks, we're going to hit Lent, and you're going to realize that our variety keeps going because Lent is uh, different. Lent is intense. There's a reason why, if you may be wondering, why are we starting at 1230 as opposed to like 1215? Because they're kind of just sitting there at the end. Because in Lent, the liturgy uh, is longer. Because every Sunday in Lent is the liturgy of St. Basil. So the anaphora. Also, vocabulary. There's a lot of words that are going to be new to you. Uh, some of them uh, you can just let fly by because eventually you'll pick them up. It is especially in the reading that you'll be able to understand that better. But catechesis is about uh, getting exposed, introduced, uh, and getting to know the life of the church. And also part of catechesis is not just uh, reading the book. You'll see I, I've assigned a lot of reading. Do I expect everybody? Like, I'm not going to come in here and be like, tell me what, you know, Father Thomas Hopko says on page 85. I'm not going to do catechesis like that. I'm not going to do reading te I mean, This is not what this is, right? I'm going to be throwing a whole lot of stuff up there for you because I know some of you are already reading and already looking into things. I'd like your focus to be on what the syllabus is, but I'm going to give you and talk about other resources because you might be more interested in certain things, history, particular theology, liturgy, lives of saints, uh, etc. So, Joshua Hawk. Kathleen, remind me of your name again. Will Johnson. I always want to call you Josh or something. I'm sorry. <laughs> Probably because of your last name. Yeah. But now I'm writing it down. Rachel, you spell your name a little bit differently. It's yes. not. It's A E L. Oh, I see. It's E A L. Yeah. E A L. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to Chris. call you Chris. Go. Good, Chris. <laughs> Diana. Aaron, Amanda, and Trevor. I already have you. Uh, Savannah, I see you. Linda. All right. Jared, Suits, and Sarah. Uh, Matt, right? Is it Matt or Matthew? How do you want to go? Either fine. The Davis family or Elder Two, I'm not going to take your attendance because <laughs> you already attend. Did I miss anybody? Because I kind of. Jeremy. Jeremy. What's your middle name? Tate. Okay. I know that's a weird question. I was looking at, and this will get us right into the syllabus. You'll see at the very top of <laughs> the catechesis. Oh, that got stapled incorrectly. Please, please fill out catechumen information questionnaire. Uh, obviously you can't, and I didn't put a QR code on here, uh, in the emails that have gone off, gone out, has, is everybody getting emails? Is everybody signed up for emails? Okay, I'm seeing yes. 
Any uncertainty? Okay. Uh, if you go back to some of the former emails, I'll probably send it out again. This is catechumen information questionnaire. This is, instead of me capturing this information like three days before you're being received in the church, this is for me to start getting information at the beginning. For example, uh, if you were baptized Trinitarianly, I need a baptismal certificate because that's going to be how, that's going to dictate how you're received by the church. Okay? So, uh, please fill that out. If you filled it out in the past, you do not need to fill it out. Uh, what, let's go over what the required elements of catechesis are. Uh, regular attendance at divine services. Vigils, vespers, divine liturgies, and other services. If there's baptisms, uh, I don't have a wedding on the books right now. Uh, funerals are not things on the books, so that's just something that happens. Uh, if you are available, then I highly encourage you to be able to come to the services. You, you will realize, and you probably have started to realize, how much of the life of the church, uh, our life comes from our liturgical life. This is our, one of our primary experiences of God, uh, together as the church assembled. It's also where it is, it is teaching as well. Uh, if you were just to come and listen to, for example, we have the vigil coming up for the meeting of our Lord in the temple. You're wondering, what does the church think about Jesus entering into the temple? Uh, you come and you hear the hymnody. Uh, there is a book, it's called the Festal Manan. We can talk about that later. But really, the best thing to do is be able to come to the service and be able to start paying attention, being able to hear and listen that's uh, also to be able to pray in the midst of all of that. It gives you a dedicated time. If you're struggling with having regular prayer, coming to the services uh, can be an opportunity for you to pray. It can also be an opportunity for you to daydream in a nice-smelling place, okay? Uh, but this is the struggle, right? You come to church, and you're like, all your intentions are there, and then you're like, wee, squirrel, oh, kid, oh, bathroom, oh, you know. So that's part of the reason long services are given to us is also like we need kind of that space to actually even settle into and be present. Uh, we'll talk about preparation uh, for Sunday services, communion, etc. Uh, further on in catechesis. Uh, of course, attendance at catechism classes. Let me make a note about the services. If Sunday morning is the only time that you can come, that's great. It would be better and more beneficial if you start getting into the practice of coming to other services because the life of the church assumes that you are going to other services. So like the Saturday night service is uh, part of our preparation for Sunday morning. People have families, people have lives, people things. Modern life does not is not shaped around the liturgical life of an Orthodox Christian, right? So such is life. But if you are available, if you are single and don't have anything going on on a Saturday night, uh, go to church. Okay? So, uh, we will uh, go through, uh, after we go through the syllabus, uh, this, the principles that Father Thomas Hopko uh, sets out in this document. Uh, one of the other important things is getting to know parishioners here at St. Anne's. Uh, you are not joining, uh, are, are wanting to join a kind of um, intellectual circle or an internet <coughs> group. You are joining yourself to the body of Christ, which means we're the body of Christ. So this is the Church of St. Anne, that you are joining yourself to the Orthodox Church at this particular church, which means that you get to know people. Uh, if you feel social anxiety, if there are things that you're struggling with, uh, I'm not going to be somebody who's going to be like, have you made three friends yet? Like, but this flows into something that you're going to need uh, when you come into the church as a sponsor. You need, you need to be able to have somebody who knows you decently well. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about a bestie, right? I'm not talking about somebody who can talk about how much you miss your dead aunt or something like that. I'm just talking about somebody who basically knows you. Maybe you've gotten coffee with them before, uh, outside of coffee hour, that you're, you're getting yourself uh, acclimated to the church. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, 
We also, you also need to meet with me at least twice to discuss your initiation. Uh, that means being brought in to the church. The first is kind of a general introduction and discussion. Some of you I've already met, had coffee with, had a kind of introductory uh, discussion. Uh, it also begins the process of locating a baptismal record. Some of you might got uh, baptized by somebody 25 years ago who the pastor's dead, the church doesn't exist anymore, right? All these kind of little things, it's good to know this and to figure this out now uh, and figure out some way, because uh, I also have to ask the bishop exactly how to bring you into the church if we don't have documents. Uh, if you have, I've had people send me videos. If you happen to have a video recording, even if it was a live stream event at some point, which is meaning you got baptized like two years or three years ago, right? <laughs> uh, and you can, because I've had people show, they don't have a t certificate, because a lot of traditions don't do anything like that, right? It's Pastor Bob who decides, like, you, you, we're going to get baptized, and you go down to the creek and you're baptized, right? Uh, others, it's like a celebratory, like 30 in, in a pool that they set up in the gymnasium, right? Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, I'm repeating this, so this is important. You need to figure out uh, and talk with me about where you're coming from. The second is a few months into this process where we start discussing how exactly uh, either Archbishop Alexander blesses or the typical route. If you're baptized Roman Catholic when you're a kid and you've got a baptismal certificate, you're going to be chrismated. That's how the route in for you, okay? Uh, we would discuss patron saint, uh, sponsors, etc. Uh, the textbook that we are going to be using is actually a series of books here. I'm missing one here. Uh, you do not need to buy these books. Uh, this is the first, second, and fourth volume of Father Thomas Hopko, uh, The Orthodox Faith. Uh, these are these are the library copies. So if somebody prefers uh, physical books, they can use these. These are when I came into the church. This was what they looked like. You can probably tell the time period in which these uh, wonderful looking books. And I don't know why this is the weirdest. Like, but it's got it's got pretty pictures in it. Yeah, we called it the Rainbow Series. This is way before all sorts of other things. Uh, you get with um, going through Hopgo, I kind of call it like a nice Wikipedia of orthodoxy before even Wikipedia was a thing, or there was, there's even an ortho wiki, right? Uh, it is the best way that I know, because I've tried many iterations of catechism, to kind of give a skeleton framework of what orthodoxy is. We don't hit... Uh, his third volume, which is Church History, because as much as history is important, I mean, we just are celebrating today uh, a historical reality of the, the martyrdoms in the 20th century and the, the confessors who lived in Russia and I would say throughout the Soviet yoke, so and beyond. Uh, but what we have here is a basic kind of introduction to Orthodox history, the high points of theology. Uh, you'll realize in the church calendar that we commemorate things that you've never heard of that happened in the 6th century. There is a date where we commemorate the, uh, the founding of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in the Holy Land, for example, right? Because it was a big deal. Uh, Orthodoxy is seeped in history and it shows all through our liturgical life. Um, all of Hopko's book is online on the OCA website. That's why I've chosen the book so that you all don't have to go out and buy four or five books. Uh, that would give you a lot of information, but would also put you back to $300, right? I'm trying to make this as accessible as possible. Uh, it is, uh, I try, if you want to download the PDF or if you would like for me to send you the PDF, I have hyperlinked uh, the chapters. Now, when I have hyperlinked the chapter, uh, that doesn't always mean, if I remember it correctly, that it actually covers all the little sub-articles, you need to keep moving forward uh, into the book. Uh, does that make sense what I'm saying? There's like a chapter and there's sub-chapters. It might send you to the first sub-chapter. You need to go to... I'm assigning quite a bit of reading. So if you're reading like three paragraphs, you're like, oh, I'm done. <clears throat> you're not done. Trust me. Okay? Uh, again, 
if there's a hundred pages of reading, I'm still trying to figure out how to best figure this all out. Uh, I will summarize and I will distill and teach out of the high points of that I want to bring out of the text, okay? Uh, if the Hopko stuff is not up your alley, uh, let's go ahead and look on, I think it's the last page, for other resources, annotated bibliography here. There is that playlist that is on YouTube. Uh, a word about YouTube. So this playlist uh, is good. There is a lot of information out on the internet about the Orthodox Church of varying uh, degrees of quality and or what I would bless or think is good, okay? Uh, there's a lot of folks uh, who have been Orthodox for a hot minute uh, and now they've got a YouTube channel uh, and they've got merch. Uh, welcome to 2024. I would have said this last year and the year before. This has just become a thing, right? Where people are making a living or trying to, I don't know. I don't get into all the details, but so they put themselves out there as an authority uh, and yet they're not an authority whatsoever. They are them and like 50 other uh, guys, okay? So if you are wondering about something, let me know uh, and I can direct you to good resources online. Uh, I will always direct you towards printed materials. There is good online stuff now. Uh, Ancient Faith has a lot of good stuff. One of the things I, I have on there is a collection of introductory podcasts. But you guys are coming from all over the place. Some of you grew up Catholic a long time ago. Some of you have been evangelical. and they're So everyone's coming from very different paths uh, into the church. So some stuff is going to appeal to you. You're going to wonder, uh, why Mary? Why, why does Mary matter this much to Orthodox? And Roman Catholics are kind of like, well, duh. And the evangelicals are like, what? Right? So some of these classes or some of the materials are just not going to appeal to you. So um, when we're looking at uh, introductory books, uh, there is, if you are interested in want an introduction to Orthodox theology, this would probably be one of the places that I would start you at, uh, Orthodox Dogmatic Theology by Father uh, Michael Pomazansky. Uh, when I say this is if you have already got your feet solidly under you and know theology, this is a good way to kind of get an introduction into how Orthodox do uh, think about theology. Um, I would say the same thing for this book, The Orthodox Faith, Worship, and Life. This has got a, a lot of long quotes from the Fathers of <coughs> Pomazansky, so you can kind of get an idea about Orthodoxy straight from the Fathers. Uh, there's a book called Know the Faith by Father Michael Schonbor. I don't have a copy of it. If you're coming from an evangelical background and you're wondering, or maybe you're not wondering, but your uh, Mima is wondering what you're doing, uh, and you're trying to figure out how best to articulate it, Father Michael Shanbor has a good way of uh, articulating it uh, from the Bible to try and, like, basically what you've been exposed to uh, is about a fourth of what the Bible actually is talking about and trying to expand so that you understand more of what is going on in Scripture. I have that one if somebody needs to borrow it. Okay. There's also somewhere in the, the mess that has become our library, there should, should be a copy as well. Um, the, the classics that I would draw your attention to is the Orthodox Church, and I couldn't find my copy of the Orthodox Way. Uh, by He's now reposed uh, Metropolitan Callisto Ware. Timothy Ware was his name before he was uh, made a bishop. Uh, this is just a classic. It has hi uh, historical... Uh, background and the last bit is kind of a small overview of theology and the Orthodox way is theology. If you're wondering why Orthodoxy versus other churches, religions, etc., this is a book about Orthodoxy and Heterodoxy that goes through, uh, okay, Pentecostalism, Evangelicalism, Revivalism, the Radical Reformation, which means Anabaptists, uh, Magisterial Reformation, so Reformed and Lutherans, Roman Catholics, Etc. Right? Just what are some of the basic dogmatic differences, theological differences? Alright, I've been talking a mile a minute. Does anyone have any questions with the stuff that I just went over? That's not mine. Okay, that's fine. I'll just name it. What was the last book you just showed again? Uh, Orthodoxy and Heterodoxy. And you said that there's like a comparison? Yep. Okay. And 
some of these that I just showed are here in the library and you can just borrow them from the library. There's also recently published uh, a book, uh, it's, it's just a PDF, it's called Essential Orthodox Christian Beliefs, uh, it was done by the OCA. Um, the first chapter, I, I'm just saying this because I'm not trying to plug the work, but the first chapter, I, I did it. Uh, it basically is following the liturgy as kind of a catechism. So if you want to something to supplement Hopko, that would also be something, and you don't have uh, the Benjamins lying around to pick up books, uh, then that would be a free PDF online. If you miss a class, podcast, okay? If you have questions about stuff, shoot me an email. Uh, if you have questions and you, I might just say, bring it up in class because the question might be, that's a good question to come up in class. So let's go back to the very first page uh, at the very bottom. Reception into the church. Attending and participating in catechesis is a requirement to being received into the church, but participation in the classes is paired with the discernment of the priest as to readiness for reception to the church. Uh, ultimately, it's my discretion about whether one is ready to come into the church or not. Uh, this has to do with a whole host of things. Uh, where you're coming from, what's going on in your life, situations that you might be in, to uh, you started coming here two weeks ago, right? If you started coming here two weeks ago, probably last <coughs> Saturday is not the date of your reception. If you've been in and out of here, for a few years, some of you have been in and out of here for a few years, uh, Lazarus Saturday is a pretty good bet unless something drastically changes or blows up or something, okay? Uh, this is not, this isn't like a bad thing if you're like, if you're not ready by Lazarus Saturday, some people want more time. They're not ready because this is, as I think those who have talked to you with, this is a very serious thing. This is not like just joining yourself to another non-denominational church where they kind of get your information and then you're on their email list. Like this, is, we have a much higher view of the church, what sacramental participation is. Uh, as you probably noticed, you haven't been receiving communion if you've been coming here because uh, basically I would uh, equate it to uh, on the first, well, this should be this way. On the first day, you don't get access to the bedroom, okay? Right? You need to be married, right? Entering into the church is marriage. That means some time of discernment, figuring out this th the right thing for you, uh, etc. A lot of you are going to experience, or probably already experienced, family members going, what are you doing? What is that? Are you a Jew now? You know, all that kind of stuff. I've been asked if I'm Jewish, walking around like this. I, I literally was just like, uh, I don't understand that, but it just shows they're not from New York or anything like that, because no, no Jew dresses like this. <laughs> Neither is a Roman Catholic priest. I've been that is, is a little bit more sensible, but no Roman priest dresses like this either. But um, to talk to me, uh, come and talk to me. This is another thing. <clears throat> we have a full room, right? There's a lot of you coming from a lot of different places, a lot of different experiences. I can't read your mind. So I have folks in the path get upset because I'm not like talking to them after three or four months. I'm like, I'm li I don't know if you noticed, like somebody told me to count this morning is 2.15. I can't keep up with everything as the priest. So if you need something, you gotta let me know. Uh, if you think that you're communicating something and literally nothing has like come across a keyboard or things, I can't read your mind, right? I may be a priest, but I am not a telepath, okay? You might read about like holy monks who can like discern and experience things and know things. I am not that. I'm just a priest, okay? I'm just trying to serve Christ in the way that I was called to do so, okay? Uh, the bishop laid hands on me and here we are, okay? So, um, the other thing is, as you are encountering orthodoxy, you should just re read. Uh, if you're not a reader, uh, there's stuff, YouTube does have good stuff. Uh, you need to start uh, thinking about. These aren't things to obsess about, but like uh, a patron saint. This is something that you are uh, would start discerning and figuring out. Uh, if you already have a Christian name, then I'm probably like Chris, which I'm sure is short for Christopher. Mm -hmm. 
well, guess what? There's a St. Christopher. So <laughs> unless like St. Nectarius appear, appears to you in the middle of the night and gives you a little talking to, uh, I'm probably going to say Christopher is who you should go with. Right? right. Uh, He's the cool one. He has the dog head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, now I know what you guys have been listening to. Uh, yeah, sure. One, one thing, uh, I, I'm an audiobook junkie, and a lot of these materials are also an audiobook. Like, you know, that's an audiobook. So if you'd prefer to listen in your car, that, that's an option. There's also this book that we used a cate catechism class, two catechism classes ago. This is Welcome to the Orthodox Church by uh, Julia Frederica Matthews Green. Uh, this is, if you're coming from an evangelical background, this is going to be a good book as well. This is also an audible. So if you, I have extra physical copies, so if you would like a physical copy or you'd like to give it to somebody in your family who has an evangelical background who's interested, uh, I will say, here's just a pastoral advice. Um, there is zeal that comes with encountering orthodoxy that sometimes can be uh, very nice and great, but also can do damage early on with your relationships and situations that you're in. You came here, some of you came here for various reasons, but a lot of it's because you had questions or experiences or things that brought you here that would not be a normal path for other people like your mom probably does not understand why you would stand in, in incense and in front of icons right um so be discreet if people don't have questions they usually don't understand the answers so if you come at people with a bunch of answers about things or are ready to kind of like debate don't you don't need to engage with debate with people uh if you think so, you're probably going to end up just alienating them. Because I know folks have been in the church 10 or 15 years and things they said when they were six months in that are still the thing that is remembered by family or friends or things. So it is better to just invite them or just to say, you know, this is it. And just kind of be quiet. That doesn't mean share. Be, you know, talk. But there's no reason to engage in a lot of debating. Because again, usually if you're debating something, that means both sides are not typically open to actually even hearing what the other person is saying. They just want to make their points, right? Or they just want somebody to change or stop, right? So, uh, I already mentioned uh, sponsors. Any questions? Because I just talked a whole bunch. I'm sorry to go so quickly, but every class is probably going to be me talking fast like this because we have a lot of material to cover uh, two or three catechism the last spring when we did catechesis we did 20 something classes maybe almost 30 something classes so uh, I think the numbers on this are probably incorrect yeah because I accidentally deleted we're only doing 15 sessions because the numbering's off because I had to delete one because of the snow day. Uh, so I could go twice as long. Uh, I'm trying to find a sweet spot where I'm not just, you know, we're going on and on and on and on and on. But uh, there are other classes like, where they do four sessions and that's it. So we're going to stick with this for now. All right. Um, let's go just kind of quickly through what we are looking forward to, and then we'll hit this Hopco document. <coughs> Today, of course, is orientation and what is catechesis. Um, I'll come to that and kind of describe historically what catechism is, uh, the catechumenate. Uh, next week, we are going to be going through uh, worship, talking about the church building. Next, we'll be talking about the church building. I, I encourage you to read the section on the sacraments. Uh, and I'll have a handout. Do you guys want physical copies or is emailing you the best way to distribute things? Well, actually, I mean, they're all hyperlinked here. So you should be able to just click on that in the email and be able to get the church etiquette document. The church etiquette document may be a little bit longer than you would think that it would be. And it's something that I probably actually will be sending out to the whole church as just kind of a general reminder of church etiquette. 
Uh, one of the challenges of our space, which I'm sure you, <laughs> we don't have a dedicated church space because we're using it also for coffee hour, etc. And the kitchen is accessible. You can smell the chili, you know, percolating in the back <laughs> besides the coffee percolating, right? So you're trying to worship. You can smell the incense, but you can also smell the chili and the coffee. Uh, that's not the most, uh, the best context for things. Uh, we're also really out of space. Uh, so there is in this church etiquette, this is also, I'm sure a lot of you have realized that this church is heavy on converts and not heavy on cradle. By that, our orthospeak, that means folks who grew up in the church and have just learned from their yaya or uh, batushka, uh, right? These are names, grandpa, grandma, right? Uh, so it's folks who are still in process, I'll say. Uh, and my, I don't know if you've also noticed, my back is turned for a lot of the service, so I don't actually know what's going on all the time. Uh, the things I might be like, we should do it like this instead of like that, okay? Uh, so we're going to go through, um, I was talking with Lynn, some of you will know, we, we've done in the past where we do a walkthrough. It's showing you this is how you enter into an Orthodox church. This is how you make the sign of the cross. When you greet a priest, uh, shaking hands is not the typical way that you greet a priest. If you've done that before, that's fine. This is me. Just, what it is in your Orthodox Christian, you're greeting a priest, you're asking for a blessing, and the priest gives you a blessing. Uh, there is just all these little things that you don't know if you don't know, right? How do you kiss an icon? You may have been intuiting it and doing it uh, right. I'll put it like that. But like, uh, you're not, for example, when you go up to venerate an icon, you're not kissing them on the lips, right? That's a little forward, right? <laughs> the, you, you would be kissing the, a hand that's exposed or their feet or other things that, uh, that you would actually kind of be aiming for where your kiss is going. Or if you don't know, or like when you're encountering an icon, like that's Slavonic, I can't read that. After a while, you don't even need to read the Slavonic. You'll just know who it is because you've been around the church long enough and you can look at the picture and be like, that's St. Nicholas, even though I can't read the, the, the Slavonic or something like this, okay? Um, <laughs> that will be what uh, the next class will be. Uh, then the next class after that, we'll, we'll be going through uh, basically liturgical life and prayer rule and have a handout on St. Theophon the Recluse's homilies on prayer. So we'll be talking about the, the daily cycles of prayer and the church here. Um, after that, we will then go through the Divine Liturgy in one class. I used to do catechism where we would spend about 15 sessions just going through the Divine Liturgy as the way to do catechism. Uh, so, uh, how, what is your experiences of the Divine Liturgy? Is it, some of you have been here for a little bit. I know a lot of you, because it's the same for me, you encounter the Divine Liturgy and you're like, what is going on half the time? Is that fair? For those who've been around for a few months now, is it starting to feel less like that? Yes. Like you're kind of getting a feel for things? If you're not, one of the best things... I mean, I went to seminary after about eight years being Orthodox or so. Uh, one of the best things about seminary is that they start requiring you to memorize a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, or even just looking at outlines, like, this is the Divine Liturgy. And when you, like, actually look at an outline, and then you suddenly see it, then it can, like, click in your head. Uh, so we, if you're wanting things like that, you can email me and I can find some things to be able to help with that. I find when I, my prayer during liturgy was much better. I was always in choir or at the chanting stand when, because I wasn't always in a, a Russian tradition background to so like a Byzantine chant. Uh, I found actually encountering the structure of the services was very helpful for my mind to like hang things on. Because otherwise you're just kind of like, oh, it's the great entrance now. Communion's coming, I think. I know it is, but like... Oh, there we go. They're our Father. Okay, we're right there. Like, so that you actually kind of understand. And there is a reason to why things are happening. Some of it's historical, but some of it, there's a reason why the Our Father happens so late in the liturgy. I'll wait till we hit that part. Uh, the next, we'll talk about Orthodox spirituality and the Beatitudes. Uh, and then we'll talk about sources of doctrine, which means uh, scripture, icons, hymnody, and the lives of the saints. 
then we will. <coughs> I really should do more than one session on <coughs> the Creed and the Trinity. Some of this might be edited as we go. <laughs> Just saying. Um, uh, at one point, uh, for example, the next one, right? Doctrine and Scripture. We're going to do the whole Bible in one class. Uh, what is nice about the Hopko book is that if you aren't familiar, if you are familiar with Scripture, you're probably familiar with the New Testament more than you are with the Old Testament. Fair assessment of the lay of American Christianity. Um, Hopko does a good job of short overviews of every book of the Bible so that I would highly suggest if you've never read the Bible, you should at least do an overview of what everything there is. Uh, okay, I'm starting to cut into what uh, the other thing I need to do. Uh, Terry Mattingly, who's a, a um, parishioner here, uh, is going to be doing a talk on screen culture in Orthodox life. Uh, you can probably put two and two together. One of the major challenges that we have in the 21st century is uh, these little guys or the bigger versions of these things. Uh, I'm going to do a talk on uh, Orthodox asceticism, anthropology, passions, uh, and the thoughts. I haven't figured out what handout to do yet. I'll probably do just something directly from a church father. Uh, and then we'll do spirituality, quote-unquote. It's from that book. Uh, sexuality, marriage, family, sickness, suffering, death, and kingdom of heaven. And I have handouts there. Uh, the Synodal Affirmation from the OCA. And then also a guide to Orthodox Christian funeral. I'm trying to also give you all an idea of things. If you are coming into the church, it's just a practical thing. If you have kids and you have a will, you probably want to change your will and certain things. For example, if you have thought cremation is the path for you when you die, the Orthodox Church does not bless cremations. We don't do funerals with cremated bodies okay so just this is me trying to cover all these little bases so that if god forbid something was to happen soon that you would have that because some of you are coming without your family knowing what's background etc that you would want an orthodox funeral as opposed to your parents or your family taking away to i don't know nebraska and doing a memorial joy for life thing up there and that's that right um I know I'm like skipping way far ahead and even talking about that, but these are just little things that I find. And somebody, I've had somebody come to me and like, oh yeah, I got married. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you got married? How many times is that? Fifth, the fifth? Hold on a second. The church, if, if you were to marry outside of the church, you're going to excommunicate yourself from the life of the church. Okay, like the, there, this is where like the doctrine of the church and what we think is, is going to be very different than your typical Protestant church. Uh, that we have church discipline. That there are things that we say like, nope, that's out of bounds. Uh, you want to get married again? The divorce? Then like the bishop has to bless it. It's not just you get to choose willy-nilly what you're going to do. Um, I'm just going to be brass tacks about certain things because you need to know this as opposed to getting yourself into a situation, okay? And then I have to figure out how to get you out of the situation, okay? <coughs> the bishop really is the one who's going to figure that one out. Um, and then last, we're going to talk about confession, baptism, right? I have, which is a little bit different than what people, if they've done this before, doing some post-reception classes. What I find is if once you re are received into the church, it can be a time where... Everything is grand. You're in this groove. You're coming to the class. Everything's new. And then there's this, like, you enter in the church. And so many times people are like, I thought, even though I'm like, all right, it's going to get more real. It's going to get harder when you enter the church. Uh, don't be surprised when you are a catechumen that certain things in your life go a little awry or there's more conflict or there's some suffering that enters into your life. Because it's just, you've got a, uh, a target on your back. And things start happening. I have multiple stories that I know of. But then there's like this kind of like you're on the high of like, I've become orthodox. So like, I'm going to conquer the sin in three weeks. And then you realize a month in like, oh, wait, I am still me. And I am still struggling with some of the things that I've struggled with since I was 14 or eight to be able to process some of those things. Because even if I'm telling you now, I'm going to tell you, I repeat the same things over and over again. And then I hear it in confession or somebody struggling and just like, yeah, here, here we are. 
now now it gets real right it's not just an ideal it's not fantasy world this isn't all brand new it's old fasting is fun the first few times right <laughs> fasting is really old 10 years in okay uh in many ways it gets old but like to find a new way of relating to that and being able to know that there's pastoral care beyond that. Sometimes people are really worried about confession, and so it's like the life confession is the thing that they're really worried about. But I find it's not actually the life confession that people are the, actually get the most worried about. It's the second time they come to confession. The first time after life confession where they say the same things that they said in life confession, and it's been two months. And the shame is like, how, you know, I'm like, Yes, welcome to the rest of us. <laughs> welcome to the way it goes. Like, basically, you will find in your confessions that you're going to basically repeat the same things and you're going to be struggling with the same basic things. And part of confession is the basic necessity to name those things and own them as opposed to trying to hide them and just running away from them or numbing yourself on all sorts of things that you tend to numb yourself with. Okay? All right. Uh, let's try to do this. All right. <clears throat> this is distilled from, I got this from Father Justin Patterson. He's the priest up at St. Athanasius, just outside of Lexington in Kentucky. Uh, this is a document that is basically a distillation of, uh, it's 50 sayings, isn't it? Of Father Hopko? I think so, yeah. There, there are fi- there's, uh, you can find this. People have even, I think, made, dolled up the 50 sayings of Father Thomas Hopko to, like, you can put on your wall. Like frame it. I know Deacon Raphael has some copies of the fifty that he used to give to the Sunday school classes. Uh, I the fifty sayings of Father Thomas. You can find an audio version. Father Thomas Hopko also had. He has reposed. It's been a few years now since he has passed. Reposed means he's reposed in the Lord. He's died. Okay, just <coughs> making sure vocab wise that we're on the same page. Um, he also had a podcast that is very wide ranging and covers all. Like he goes through every century of the Orthodox Church and talks about the good, the bad, and the ugly about Orthodoxy, right? You would think like, oh, Orthodox, like 19th century Russia would have been awesome. No, it wasn't. Okay? Uh, It might seem like that because there's a lot of saints from that time, but if you read their lives, you're like, oh, yeah, things were not great for the church. So, uh, you can find the 50 sayings, but let's go over this because this is a condensation of these, and I think it is a good place for those who are uh, discerning coming into the Orthodox Church. Okay, two minutes about the catechumenate. The catechumenate, does, it, does everyone does anyone know the history of what the catechumenate is? You've heard catechism probably in, in other traditions, like the Reformed or Lutheran or even Catholics, like you have like the Baltimore Catechism or something like that, right? Or the Roman cat, the, the newer catechism of the Roman Church. So in the early church, you read in the New Testament, and you have people just kind of getting baptized right and left. Most, I think, about with the exception of one instance in the Book of Acts, they were all either Jewish and or God fearers in the New Testament, which means they were Jewish adjacent, as in like they were already participating or trying uh, to worship the God of Israel. Okay. What happens when you get to the second, third, fourth uh, centuries is the church, especially once you have the legalization of Christianity under Constantine, uh, you have a flood of people coming into the church, and there needed to be a process of bringing people into the church. This was to focus on two things. One, they needed to stop particular habits and, and things. So... Uh, that might be if they were uh, a vestal virgin in one of the temples, they're going to have to find another way of life, right? There are certain things that they have to stop in order to join the church. The, the catechumenate was the time, uh, and if you're thinking when I'm talking about six months as being a good amount of time to be around the church, I, most of the time I'd prefer eight, 10, 12 months for folks to be around the church first. Uh, we're talking about three years of catechesis. Uh, and a lot of this was learning how to pray, learning the basics of scripture, learning the routine of uh, life, uh, and extricating yourself from particular habits. Um, so uh, catechesis also, this why you would have a, a sponsor, this comes from this time period, where you'd have somebody who's vouching for you that you are doing the things that a Christian should, the life, you're living the life 
you're walking the walk, you're talking the talk, right? It's not just talking, you're doing it uh, as best as you can, right? Uh, so cate catechesis kind of dropped out once basically all the baptisms were babies in certain areas, right? You don't need a catechumenate for adults if everyone is basically Christian and the babies are the focus. Uh, so what has happened in, there's always been catechesis if there's like expansion outside of the historic lands where the church was. So in having adult catechumenate, this is basically learning the Orthodox faith and giving a time, as one author calls it, a time of like conversion, uh, like a therapy for folks because there is always uh, an element in coming to this that a lot of stuff is going to bubble up and need to be even dealt with. Uh, that catechesis will make very clear to you because uh, repentance, uh, well, it's hard. It can be hard, right? Certain things that you have uh, to tear away from or start changing in your life. So that's the context to, to be able to, to jump into this document. The questions at the top, how can I know God as God really is? How can I know Christ as the way, the truth, and the life? How can I know the Orthodox Church as the household of God and the pillar of the bulwark of the truth, God's kingdom on earth? I could sit here and lecture for days on end and try to like reason you into accepting these things. Well, historically, we're the historic church, right? Like your church has a uh, insufficient Christology because they're basically all Nestorians because John Calvin was basically a Nestorian. If you don't know the words I'm using, don't worry about it, okay? This is my point, right? Like, I, we, I can sit here and talk, 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 but what the reality of what catechesis is about is what the Orthodox Christian saints and the spiritual teachers uh, would tell us to do. What do we need to start doing with our lives, not just sitting around hearing lectures about stuff, okay? So, one, be ready to do whatever it takes to know. Humbly and courageously do what you are told without questioning it. Lay aside your will. Vow to follow what you come to know, whatever the cost. Now, with all of these things, uh, especially, I think, for Americans in modern life, uh, we're all on our kind of own quest of self-fulfillment and etc. And that encountering the church, all of a sudden you encounter something or someone as the priest who says, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to do it like that. That's not, you don't get to choose that. That's right. Like, why, why, why can't we do X, Y, Z? It's like, that's just not what we do. Or like, because scripture says no, right? Uh, there is in this. So this is not like all of a sudden, like you all, I'm now your tyrant. Welcome to tyranny. And now I'm going to micromanage your life and tell you what to do. I'm really not interested in being micromanaging your guys' lives, right? If we're talking about sin, I will talk with you. I will counsel you. Uh, if you are an Orthodox Christian, say, and you committed adultery, there might be some penances, and there's going to be some consequences that are attached to a major sin like this, right? But that's something you're going to work out with me, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to have some, we're going to talk for a while, right? And we're going to have a path of healing that going forward to be able to try to remedy that. So when it comes, the, the thing that it's getting at here is like, if you want to know, that means that you have to kind of get outside of your preconceived ideas and all the things that, how you've probably done a lot of other things and submit yourself to something outside of yourself that for many of us is, is pretty new. Do you have any questions about that? This is the quietest catechism class I've had yet. <laughs> we don't like being recorded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure that I'm recording. Just as no. I, <laughs> really, the only people who listen to this are people who miss class, or I know, like Rachel was listening to former ones to, to try and get an idea of what it's going to be like, right? So, but it is on the internet. So. Two, pray for enlightenment, even if yours is to whom it may concern. You can see that in the background, uh, there, in this, there is still, some of you solidly believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Some of you may be at that point where you're, you're like coming back to and trying to understand Christianity and who God is in Jesus Christ, uh, etc. So praying for enlightenment, trying to say and reach out to God. Pray something like this, God, reveal yourself to me as you really are. 
And as you pray, do not look for anything. Let whatever happens, happen. What do you think he means by this, do not look for anything? Like signs. Like signs? Why would he counsel you to not look for signs? You can be deceived. You can be deceived. Or just disappointed. Or disappointed. Mm -hmm. Because that may not be what he wants to do. This can be hard because you read scripture, you read saints' lives, uh, and there's things that happen. But then if you read the, the wisdom that they'll tell you, they'll be like, don't expect things. Don't, don't, like, because you suddenly think there are angels and you never really realize they're really angels. My Protestant background, like, angels, but that was, like, not a, th you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, yeah. they're there, but they're not real. To you, kind of <laughs> yeah, they're in the Bible, but like, I'm in Arkansas. I was a kid in Arkansas. Like, I don't, I don't see angels, right? Uh, there can be uh, a sense of uh, what happens when angels reveal themselves in Scripture. It's scary. It's no. terrifying, yeah. right? <laughs> like, get away from me! I'm not worthy of the like. Sudden, like the angel says, "Fear not." In right. All cases. Right. But the reality is, like. We're like, I want to experience something. Do you really want to experience something? <laughs> Do you really want to be exposed to the holy God? And like, like it would be good, but I'm going to guarantee you're probably not actually really ready for that. And he's not going to do that. And he's going to slowly and surely teach you. Because this is all, this is all of catechesis in the, the Orthodox life is uh, you are being weaned off of your addictions to the world and being set aright to have your, your desires directed in the right direction. That's why it hurts. Because we really like the little things that we would prefer rather than God. Or to put it another way, we don't want the cross, we want other things. Right? This is why we fast. This is why we do the things. This is why we have an ascetical life. Three, while praying this way, right? read through the New Testament very slowly at least three times. Take several months to do this. Do not be bothered about what you do not understand, but try to put into practice what you do understand. Okay, three things about this. <clears throat> I'm going to recommend that you choose a gospel, and you just slowly read through a gospel. Okay? Mark is the shortest, <laughs> if you look into that. I really like Matthew. I would suggest Matthew or Luke. John, let's wait on John, Okay. John, we're going to talk about John after you're received. The church realizes this too. The church looks at the Gospel of John as the post-you've-been-enlightened book, where you're deepening your life. If you notice, there's all these water themes and meal themes and temple themes throughout the Gospel of John. Uh, it's There's a reason why the image of... The, does anyone know the, the different animals for the different Gospel authors? Do you know... What's the uh, what's the animal for John? Do you remember? Mark is a, a lion, if I remember correctly. What is John? He's an eagle, because it's soaring through the heights, right? So my suggestion: Matthew or Luke, a chapter a day, slowly. What you understand. This is the second thing about this. Don't try to become a biblical scholar overnight. This the point is not for you to get on and buy commentaries or get online and trying to figure everything out like where's tire where's sided like where like you know where you're like that's not the point of scripture those are all helpful things those are tools but that's not the point of why you're reading the gospel of matthew if you don't understand something that's fine i still read the, read the text and there's things that are are opaque but i don't see because the text is reading me it's not just me reading the text to draw out a meaning. It's God encountering me in the text. Right? So, there's times I read Matthew and it's a different book every time I read the book of Matthew. I mean, I have to preach the same pericopes every... Like, <laughs> next year I'll have the same set of pericopes around this time, roughly. Well, possibly for the right this year. But, uh, there's always things that are jumping out at me that I did not see the first ten times that I read that passage. Okay? And the third thing about it is to actually try to put into practice. So if that means you're reading the Sermon on the Mount and you are wondering about meekness and so you look into meekness, you're like, I need to try to be meek. Just focus on being meek. 
I can tell you there are many sayings in the fathers where they say something like, uh, if you can go through your entire life without judging anyone, you will be saved. <coughs> Good luck. <laughs> but you like you would say like, well, but this thing and that thing that the only way to get to that point is all the other things. So, but you can focus on one thing and focusing on that one thing, a lot of other things can come. Like I need to get into encountering God in prayer on a regular basis. Just do that. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening, if you've never done it before. That's what you need to focus on, okay? During this time, number four, go to Orthodox services as often as possible. Just stand there or sit there and listen. <laughs> do not judge other people in any way. Do not be bothered about what you do not understand. You're noticing a theme here? There's a lot of stuff that you probably don't understand. There's going to be stuff that you're not going to understand for years. It's okay. Don't be bothered by that. And also, try not to judge other people. Okay? You don't have to pray about that one. Five, during this time, do not lie about anything. Do not consciously harm anyone. Try to be kind and good to everyone you meet, without exception. Without exception. If possible, do some good work for others, even if it's just an hour or two a week, as secretly as possible, right? Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Also, if possible, give away some money secretly to those in need. Almsgiving. He summarized this as be kind. Now, be kind means a lot of different things. This is obviously a little bit more in-depth than if you were to read a bumper sticker that says be kind. But it basically means, like, don't honk at me or, you know, fling me the bird, right? <laughs> be, this is sacrificial kindness, right? Without exception. The people that annoy you, the people you don't like, to be kind to them. Six. During this time, if you are not married, do not engage in any sexual acts at all of any kind, even with yourself alone. So he's covering all bases here, okay? If you fail in this, put it behind you immediately with a prayer of repentance and start over. Summary. Be pure. Do I need to go into detail about that? I think that's clear. If you want more detail about that, then we can talk in my office at some point, okay? During this time, do not get drunk. Do not eat too much. Do not, here we go, do not eat unhealthy foods. And try to eat and drink less than normal a couple of days a week. For example, keeping the fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Be sober. So we're going to talk about fasting at one of these uh, soon in the catechism classes. I know I'm going a little bit over. We started a little bit late. Sorry, I will not do this, but I want to finish this, okay? Uh, be sober. Be start in little ways denying yourself. If that means if, if you are with fasting and you live with a family that is not orthodox or you're in a living situation, uh, then do your own breakfast so that you can just have fruit or just drink coffee. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Intermittent fasting is really popular, right? There, there are certain things that are, and it's always fascinating to me, folks when they, who are already orthodox are like, want to navigate fasting with me. And the world out there is like all about, if you were to actually follow the fast, the doctor would be like, this is great. This is perfect. It's kind of like a Mediterranean diet. You're cutting out a bunch of stuff. And you can you can fast and like completely not do it healthily, right? I can eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches. I can make all sorts of sweets. I can have cakes that are vegan. And I can balloon, right? And I'm following the fast, right? I can eat lobster every single day. I don't know why I want to do it without butter, but like, right? Like there are ways in which I could eat Thai food every single meal and it be completely kosher, right? I'm following the fast. But sobriety in this context, denying yourself in little ways does not mean that. That means during the fast you can't go to Tuk Tuk, which I think is the best Thai food in Knoxville, right? Like if you haven't been, it's great. Good luck getting a seat. Uh, but that doesn't, part of what fasting is also tied to, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is almsgiving. That you are saving money from not eating and consuming so much so that you can help other people, right? So there's a reason why like we do dry eating, where you're basically eating like dried fruit and nuts and coffee or water. That's your meal. 
right? That would be where the monastery would be, or like you're having one major meal a day. So there, and there are all sorts of different ways that we can talk about fasting into in your family, in your context, and where you're at, and how exposed you are, uh, etc. Right? Okay. Eight. During this time, sit in total silence at least ten to fifteen minutes a day. Let's just. 10 minutes is probably going to be hard, all right? Or even up to 30 minutes a day if you can. Watching the thoughts that come to your mind and letting them go with a prayer. God, enlighten my mind. God, help me with this. God, help these people who come to mind. Summary, be quiet and reach out to God. I think one of the biggest surprises, surprise maybe isn't the right word, but when I became a priest was, I'm not a very anxious person, and then I was amazed at how much anxiety was around me because that's just not that's not my internal state uh, this is one of these things if, if you, anxiety and the thoughts all of us have thoughts to be able to just slow down to actually have the thoughts the temptations the things come to not feel guilty or ashamed just because you have a thought about something does not mean that that is not sin because you have a temptation okay just because a thought or an image pops into your head does not mean God is like, uh-oh, lightning bolt, right? It is, that is the temptation, that is the, the thing, the memory that might come back of being wronged or whatever, and to be able to just sit and not react to it, but to pray about it. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're killing your emotions. It means that you're trying to rightly order how you're going to respond to the suffering in your life and the things that are going on inside, Okay. Nine, during this time, try to speak as little as possible without irritating others. Do not try to make your opinions known or accepted in conversations unless asked. Listen to others. Be attentive to their presence and their needs. Do not argue with anyone about anything. Listen and be attentive. I'm sure some of these are enough in and of itself to like try to work on but this is this is probably the reason of just like here's the depth of what we're trying like what we're aiming for and what the the spiritual life really is if you listen to jesus this is just father thomas hopko putting this in a little bit different language but this is what jesus is talking about how do you possess your soul with patience if this is not right why do you need to have your opinion known why do you need to win every argument why what is on the line most of the time much of nothing besides your own ego is what's really on the line I'm very intimately familiar with this. This is why I can talk about this. <laughs> I'll run every single one of these, okay? All right. Ten. During this time, find someone that you fully trust and share with that person your thoughts, feelings, dreams, hang-ups, compulsions, etc. in detail. Do not, however, go into detail about sexual things or about other people. Discuss in detail your family of origin, your childhood experiences, good and bad. Focus on what memories distress, sadden you, and what memories bring you joy. Be accountable. Now, something about this uh, you need to be wise and discerning about who you expose yourself to. But you do need to have someone that knows you. And I would also say, like, this is good if it's your spouse, but it also needs to be somebody else. I would also say that it should not be somebody of the opposite sex. <laughs> that should be, if you're a guy, it should be a guy. If it's a woman, it should be a woman. And I also think this is also, I would say, something that talking about with your priest on some level, but... I am not a therapist, right? I have boundaries about certain things. I can't do your therapy for you. I'm literally not trained to do that. Uh, I don't have those tools. I can, like, fake it for about a session, but, like, that's not what I do. And I refer people, and I have people that I can refer to because there are certain situations or things that need that kind of attention. Uh, that is not what priestly... Like, I'm dealing with sins. I'm dealing with your religious life. And these are all interconnected, right? I'm not trying to say that it's not involved. But there is, at some point, that you need to be able to be known. That there's not gigantic secrets in your life, but something that is trustworthy. And if you don't have that, to start working to finding some people that can be trustworthy so that you can be known. Because there's nothing more toxic for you than to have secrets that you're hiding within you that need to be exposed to the light. Because what grows in darkness but mold and fungus and all sorts of crazy stuff, okay? 11, during this time, do a checklist of possible food, alcohol, drug, and sex addictions. 
and other addictions that you may have. For example, rage, gambling, shopping, I say, uh, maybe talking, judging, I mean, all sorts of things. If you see that you're addicted in some way, seek help and possibly enter a treatment program. Okay? If you have an alcohol problem, then you probably need to start going to AA. You need to figure something out. Uh, the church can help, and there are resources, but this is not an AA group, right? This is not an SA group. This is not that sexual uh, sexual holics anonymous, right? But this is a time to start to get right, okay? And 12, during this time, do your work or your studies to the best of your ability, carefully, responsibly, conscientiously, devotedly. Live a day, even part of a day at a time. Focus fully on what you're doing at any given moment. I know this are some tall orders, but this is also, this is why these are rules. And these are not rules as in like, uh, if you did not give X amount of money to the government, the IRS is gonna come after you kind of rules, right? These are canons. So the way, what we talk about canons are like, they are rule, like how you measure things by. Uh, when you read the Beatitudes, you're going to find yourself in what our Lord says, and like, I'm not very meek, I'm not very merciful. I would not suffer very well, right? Like, so if you find yourself and there's particular one or two of these things that really stick out, like you can't shut up and you really need to shut up for a while, and like then maybe that's a good idea to a place to start. Uh, but that this is the path of what we are you are beginning to walk down uh, is a path of glowing, glowing, growing, not glowing, closer to Christ. Uh, this is the path, right? Uh, if you think it's another path, then you're reading a different set of scriptures, okay? Does anyone have any questions before we end? I've got a random question. Please, random is fine because I'm, yeah. How do you greet a priest? So I won't do it wrong again. <laughs> and second question is, is there a process um, about renting books out of here or, or whatever, taking it over. So I have a library degree, and I really wish there was because it kind of makes me go. <laughs> <laughs> no, so be on your best behavior. In English or Greek? To give you. So you just basically you are making. Oh, so, this is how I explain it to the kids. You're making a throne with your hand for the name of Jesus. That's what this is. If you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm not just like throwing a gang sign up at you. <laughs> this is. I C X C. So I C X C. Jesus Christ, Son of God. So that is what you are being blessed with is the name of Jesus. So when you are asking for a blessing, like when he he asked in Greek, and I said just the Lord, when in, like the blessing of the Lord, basically it's a shortened form in Greek. That is, you're encountering me. I am Christ to you as a priest. Uh, Obviously, I'm Daniel, <laughs> but there is in that element, you are respecting specifically and especially that I am the one who, through God's grace, this is the, the hand that is blessing the body and blood. So there's a reverence for the office. So it's not like reverence for me as the man, it is reverence for Jesus Christ in the office and how I stand in that place, because we need that. Just like in, in absolution or confession, when we go to confession, we're looking to hear what God has to say to us. And we're hearing in absolution, God saying, you are forgiven. Otherwise, you're just talking to yourself. That's one of the, the challenges of self-confession and self-repentance. You need something outside of yourself so that you're not just monologuing. Oh boy, I went 15 minutes over. I'm going to end so that people who need to leave can leave. And if other, you know, others have questions... Ask questions. All right, let's start. Uh, end with prayer. <coughs> Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to the word for mine eyes to see thy salvation as thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.